Hi folks, this is Mike Callahan. Welcome back. Um, want to give a shout out to Jeff Devereaux with No Veteran Left Behind and also a shout out to Sandy Lawrence for the author of uh, The Transition Veteran. Had the opportunity to start working with Sandy on a few initiatives and she's introduced me to several people that were in the process of interviewing and one of which is Josh Atkinson today. He's in the, the virtual studio that we've got and uh, he's got a real great uh, interesting story about um, what he's been through. And he's got some great metaphors to use in thinking about career planning, as well as uh, we'll get into the whole conversation about uh, certification and, and, that, and that sort of thing. So with no further ado, uh, Josh, if you would, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and what brings you here today. Awesome. And Mike, thanks, thanks for the chance to be on the podcast. You know, thanks to Sandy as well for, for the chance to be in her book. Uh, really excited to do a uh, Why Veterans Make Good Project Managers webinar later this week, actually, for the, the Tampa chapter of PMI as well. Um, so, so a little on myself. I am a, uh, a Marine veteran. I did 11 years on active duty. I started out as a pilot, actually, and then just had some struggles in the, in the community and transitioned into ground logistics after a deployment with NATO as an air logistics officer. Uh, served as a uh, logistics officer with the infantry in the Marine Corps. Uh, Victor 1-9 was my first unit in headquarters battalion. Uh, deployed with Special Forces as the Human Intelligence Task Force Executive Officer. It was a phenomenal experience there just to learn how the, the best do the right thing. Um, and also just the ability to be in collaborative environments of, of trust and teamwork, uh, just in different ways. So I had a, a great chance there and then finished my time on active duty as a, a logistics plans officer for the division. Um, late in my career, you know, got exposed to Lean Six Sigma. I was blessed that my unit paid for me to get PMP certified while I was active duty. I uh, saw a lot of application in that and then transitioned using a headhunter into a project management job uh, in the heavy construction and heavy rigging industry. I uh, really enjoyed the work, learned a lot about uh, union trades and the nuances of different types of construction. Uh, just had a blessed experience there and found a lot of good mentors. They really just talked to me about the psychology of transition. Uh, I was blessed to stay in the reserves as well, which I think for me was a huge bridge psychologically and emotionally, you know, until I was able to figure out what it was like on the other side as a civilian. Because um, it, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird journey. Um, I've coined the phrase becoming a foreign orphan as the feeling that describes being a veteran as a civilian, leaving one family and looking for that next family. And the reality is that uh, it's just not there. Um, you know, the feeling of joining that next company that's going to have a birthday every year, that's going to talk in their own vernacular and fully embrace and understand everything of who you are as a veteran and what you do and what you bring to the table is a misnomer. Um, you can find great companies, you can find good purpose and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, as a veteran, you have to start with the self-assessment, which is what do you want? You know, what do you want for yourself? What are the things that make you impassioned on a daily basis? What are the things that, that get you driving every day? Um, you know, and that was the blessing of the, the headhunter that I used, um, is that they sent you through StrengthsFinder 2.0 as a book to read, and then the profile assessment. You know, we did disc profile assessments that really helped you kind of shape your natural strengths and giftings towards different types of jobs, understanding your weaknesses as well, and how to shore them up in an interview, but also as a professional. And then later on, I was introduced to Simon Sinek's Start With Why, or Find Your Why program, which I think is $25 for veterans. That was really eye-opening as well, kind of confirming what I knew, which is I like to lead teams and help people. Um, the downside in all those is they're not going to tell you what job you're supposed to have, but they're really good at helping you identify if a job or a culture or a company that you're going to go into align with your natural passion. Um, I, I do a lot of veteran coaching right now. Um, I also work as a consultant doing requirements development and acquisitions, and I, I've tweaked the requirements development process 
uh, in terms of defining the attributes and capabilities that you're looking to buy in a widget to defining the attributes and capabilities that you want in your next life. Um, you know, I think part of the pitfall that even I ran into uh, on some level in the transition world is describing what I want in terms of a job title rather than what I want in terms of the attributes of work. Um, you know, things like formal authority or informal authority, you know, flat organizations, work-life balance, pay, you know, what are those elements of a job that are really important to you and your family, um, as well as the culture of a company that are really important to you as an individual that allow you to go to work and enjoy what you're doing, to seek fulfillment or feel fulfilled in whatever that work is, uh, that align with your natural passions and desires. I think so often veterans are used to making lemonade. Right, you join a unit, you get the MOS you're given if you went in on a guaranteed contract versus an open contract, and if you happen to even get the piece of the pie you wanted within that guaranteed contract. Otherwise, you just make the best of it. And the the difference, though, in that framework for active duty is that the best of it still comes with a known culture. Right, you have the respect and the camaraderie and an understanding of the language and the field life and travel, and those things are not negotiable. Right, you get to the unit, and those things are just what they are. Um, well, as a civilian, there's a lot more variables that you get to have a say in. And, you know, for the first time in your life, you get to decide for yourself. And it, it's hard to do because we, we've never taught how to define it. You know, you're never given the freedom of thought to define it unless you put in the time and effort, you know, one to two years out from transition, you still don't know when that day comes. And maybe believe the hype that, you know, veterans are high demand and companies all want veterans and you bring a lot to the table. That's true. But how do you articulate it? You know, and, you know, what do you do about it? And do you even know what that is? So, yeah, uh, I've been blessed in my journey. Um, I will say, although the first job I had in transition was a great fit for me professionally, the work-life balance and other things weren't there and, and the pay wasn't great. Um, the company was phenomenal and very philanthropic and, you know, they gave me the chance to, to learn and lead and grow as a project manager. And I learned a lot about, you know, fixed fee contracts and construction and the industries and was given a lot of chance to be responsible for a lot of different things. But at the end of the day, it was not the best fit for me and my family at the time. And the other piece I had to get over through a mentor was that it's okay to leave that company. You know, if you identify a bad fit or something that doesn't align with your future plan for your family, you are not a bad charactered individual because you, Yeah. And, and that was hard. Like I felt like, you know, I saw how it could be improved and I saw how I wanted to change it and things we could bring to the table and the process improvement lean six in me. It was like, man, we fixed this and this and this. And yeah, but you have no obligation to stay. You know, that's the foreign orphan piece of it. The, the good side for you as the orphan is you can leave the family too. You know, um, it goes both ways. It goes both ways in, a, in an outwork state, you know. And so again, it's, it's different. It's not bad. It's, it's just different. It's so different. You know? what, what are the, there's a lot of things that you're hitting on. One, one of which is you're talking about what's important and, and the balance of what's important. What did you do to kind of work through the identifying what's important and what wasn't important? How did you, how did you, how did you work through all that? Trial and error, maybe, uh, which is <laughs> I mean, Kind of like a brainstorming session, right? Of actually stepping back. My wife was hugely instrumental in it and finding mentors, you know, online, mm -hmm. just through networking and reaching out to other veterans on LinkedIn or, or Veterati or various tools that are out there and just connecting with people who have been on the other side and asking them, you know, like, you know, what do you wish you knew when you were active, you know? Yeah. What lessons learned do you have on the process? And, and some of it is trial and error. You know, there's a statistic, I think that, veterans last six months in their first job after active duty. I'm not sure where that comes from or how accurate it is. It's a number that's been thrown around that I can't validate from anything. So take it or leave it. But I think that's part of it though. It, it, you think you know what you want until you finally get there and then realize you have a lot more choices than you thought you had. Yeah. Um, you know, or, or maybe you're, you're the grass is greener concept finally became reality and the grass wasn't any green. You know, and a lot of junior enlisted or young people are like, oh, I'll get out of the military. And I'll, you know, make a whole lot more. And I had the same 
hurt and frustration. I was non-selected to major. So I got kicked out essentially. And I was hurt, you know, and Hey, I want to go get paid what I'm worth and be free to run and have somebody fully embrace all of who I am. Well, good luck with that. Right. Go become an entrepreneur. Um, that's the only person who will ever fully embrace all of who you are is you. Um, so there is a trial and error, but it, it takes time then to just process and go, look, these are the different characteristics of work and those attributes. And I'm trying to personally kind of create a, a list of what those attributes might be and then try to map them across different industries and different types of jobs in order to help identify that. Um, but just write them down. Like what's really, really important. Yeah. And again, some of it's just, you have to get on the other side to realize that you have choices. And be open to the choices and, and realize that you're going to, it's a transition and it's a whole different place. It's, it, yeah. that's okay. It doesn't mean you're a bad person and you can make a lot of choices because you're in a different, different. Correct. And one of those is where do you want to live and what do you want to do? Right. And they, uh, we're used to traveling as veterans and I don't think we put a lot of credence into where do I want to be if I'm not moving anymore? Um, or a desire to move every few years. Yeah. Uh, if that's what you want. So I think when I got in transition, again, I used a headhunter that said the, the more marketable you are and the bigger geography you give us, the easier it is to find you a job. Well, sure, because you're a commodity being sold on the market. Let's be honest, right? You're, you're being traded and that company's making money to put you in a job. And mm -hmm. the bigger window you give them, the more likely they are to make money off of selling you as a commodity. I mean, it, it, it's not a bad thing, but it's the reality of what it is. So if I tell them I want to you know, only live in one city and they don't have a customer in that city, then it's really hard for them to find me a job. Sure. But the upside is if you know where you want to live and you've narrowed down some of those physical parameters, then you know where to focus, you know, and, and maybe then the variable becomes the type of work or the industry you want to be in. But if all of them are variables that you have to start deciding something. Yeah. Otherwise it's hard to plan. Well, you, you and I talked, when we talked earlier, you talked about a, a, a metaphor that, uh, that I thought was pretty interesting about hunting and fishing. And, um, and, and when you're finding, when you're looking for things, can you tell us a little bit about your, uh, that, that metaphor, what was the idea behind that? And how did it serve you? Yeah, so I guess when I was in transition, I was a fisherman, right? And I guess I thought of myself as the bait. I throw my resume out there and I hope somebody bites on it, right? So you make a really, really pretty lure. You know, you write this really, really pretty resume and you make it look all, you know, shiny and, and make sure that you're marketable and you throw it out in the water and you hope some fish comes to bite on it, right? Um, that's all I, I knew. Um, I thought, well, if I use a headhunter, then they at least put my hook in the right water, right? They'll go tell me the fishing spot to go to, and then they cast it out. And, and somebody in that pool is guaranteed to want to bite your bait, right? And say, you're, you're worth eating, right? You're worth joining on my team. Um, it was extremely passive. Uh, I knew nothing about networking. I knew nothing about uh, really the human, inte human intelligence targeting cycle of networking and job hunting. Um, and it's kind of like, just apply, right? You make your resume look really good. Make sure you got the right degrees, the right certifications, the right marketability widgets and spinny little things you got on your lure. So when you cast it in the pond, man, all the fish are going to bite all over you, right? Because you're the best bait out there and, and you're extremely marketable. The problem though is it's impersonal and you have no control over the process and you're waiting. Um, the, the hunting mentality, which again, you, our conversation sparked this metaphor, so it's fairly new. <laughs> you know, as a hunter, you go looking for the target you want, right? You're bringing your gun, you know, which is what you're planning on hunting, which is your resume right? Your gun and your ammo or your resume and, and your strategic goals and values cause you to hunt different targets, right? You know, and sometimes you have to figure out whether or not your gun is the right caliber for the type of game you're hunting, right? If your resume does not read like a senior executive position and you're hunting a senior executive position, then you better go back and change your ammo, right? Write your resume different, right? So rather than it being bait, it's a weapon. And the weapon is a justification to sell your business value to a company. And that's the piece that's hard is going from you know, fishing, which is passive to hunting, you have to know your value. 
Um, you have to know what you bring to the table. You have to know how to articulate that value. You have to know where you want to go, right? What game are you hunting? What job do you want to have? What position within that company are you shooting for? You know, there's still some fishing aspect of it, right? That at the end of the day, just because you shoot on the target doesn't mean you hit it, right? There's kind of a give and take, but you have a lot more control when you take that mentality of finding the job you want to go after, finding the market that you want to be in, understanding the value you can bring to that company within that market and how you fit there. So that while you're networking, which is connecting with other veterans inside of the companies and talking to them about it and maybe having them help translate it or build that phone call with somebody that you sit there and go, look, I've got all this capability. You know, this is the weapon that I'm bringing to the table. This is the ammunition that I provide and the impact that this weapon can have for you on your staff, right? Or as a member of your team. Um, and it puts you in the driver's seat. Now, again, there's still a human engagement piece. There's still a process that has to be followed. You know, I've written an article called The Filter, the Screen, and the Door, right? At some point, you have to apply to a job and you have to have an interview and they have to run a background check on you to make sure that you're not a liar and you are who you say you are. Those mm -hmm. things have to occur. But you can control the engagement piece of it through networking and recommendations and building your weapon better, which is, you know, on LinkedIn and becoming a professional and writing and attending conferences and engagement areas to to build up the capability that you have. Um, you know, I think, again, it's, it's not a skill set that's taught. If you're not with soft or a forward observer or an intelligence guy, you're, you're kind of foreign on the targeting cycle, potentially, to know how you go find targets and look at them and how do you engage them and prioritize them and which is a high value target versus which is not and, you know, which is the wrong weapon pairing against that target, right, to go to your, you know, CAS and, and JTAC capability of, you know, which which ordinance do I put on to take out that capability? Um, but taking that viewpoint from a kinetic environment and a kinetic engagement process allows you to look at, one, your weapon, which is your resume, you know, the bullets you're firing in the ammo, and then looking at the target you're going after and making sure they align. You know, weapons pairing is a concept. Um, you know, if you line them up, you know, or, or do you even have the weapon or are you, you know, not able to get there? And that goes to the last piece on certifications, right? If, if the weapon you're bringing in your resume is not good enough and you don't have the ability to shoot on the target you're shooting on, then build your weapon better. Mm -hmm. Go get an education, you know, go get certifications, go find whatever those gaps are in capability that the job posting says you're supposed to have and fill them, right? And that's the benefit of the skill bridge program for active duty, right? I've coached people through the three best ways to use the skill bridge program are one, to get a soft interview with a company that you really want to work for, right? You know, if I want to work for a company and I can be a skill bridge, you know, internship with them, then I get to sell myself at the company I really want to work for, right? It's, it's a pre-interview interview. Um, the other reason is, is street cred and credibility. If I go do an internship at a company that looks really good and has credibility within an industry, then it adds more to my weapon to give validity that I know how to use it, right? Maybe it doesn't give me a new skill set or a different kind of ammo, but it, it shows that I know how to use it. And the third piece is building that bridge. Um, there's a logistician that I went to school with who wanted to get into marketing. You know, she didn't get to do an internship, but that's a perfect opportunity, right? In the military, I have no experience in marketing or background in marketing, but if I could do an internship with a marketing firm, you know, funded by the government while I'm active duty, well, now I get to build a new weapon, right? They can teach me things that I have no way of learning outside of experience. Mm -hmm. And now I can build that new weapon and then identify there what targets I really want to go after because I may know nothing about that industry. Um, so again, there's great opportunities there. And then certifications are huge. I've been published by GI Jobs on certifications versus education for transitioning veterans. You know, the certs are a great equalizer. Um, the project management we talked about, and that's a huge passion for both of us. You know, why get the PMP? Well, when I walk into an interview and someone says, hey, veteran, you know, why should you be a project manager? It's not why should I be, it's I am, right? I've got the pedigree. I've demonstrated experience. I have knowledge, skills, and abilities, and I speak your language. I know PNL and contract types and negotiations and I understand stakeholder engagement and the process of project management. 
Now, I may not know exactly how you use it, and I have a gap in the experience that I've never been inside of your company before, but I've got everything else, right? Like being infantry trained. Well, how does your unit go do it in a jungle environment? I got to learn that part. What are the fundamentals of being an infantry? Mm -hmm. Fundamentals logistics. I need to get on the job training at that point, but at least I come in as a full around. Um, if you want to get into IT or, or cybersecurity or, you know, HR, you know, go get certified. Bridge the gap. It's amazing how much a certification can do for you. And I'll give you my own story, you know, before we run out of time on this is, you know, I, I was hired in construction project management. I was the only certified project manager at the company. The company itself did not care that I was certified. I did not get a pay bonus or a higher salary because I was. But when I went to the customer's job site, they valued PMP. And they would skip over the senior project manager to come talk to me because I was a PMP and I spoke their language. And I learned from them that if I were to work at their company, I'd make a 60% pay raise by joining their company. All right. So certs are not everything. I think some people preach, get certified, you make six figures. No. Beauty is in the, the eye of the beholder. Some companies value certain certifications. Some companies may not. A skill set that may transcend multiple industries and give you credibility and a capability, again, your weapon is an improved weapon that you can offer and sell to a company. Now, whether or not that company wants it, you don't know, but it still gives you a foundation to build upon that lets you go in with confidence knowing that you know what you're talking about. Um, again, don't oversell it. You know, oh, I know everything about it. No, you have a capability, but it still needs to be refined and used and on the job experience can't be replicated. Um, but it's a great bridge. Uh, it gets over the stigma of civilian assumptions of what a veteran is, right? A lot of civilians have never interacted with a veteran or have no idea what it's like to be a veteran or be military. The cert gives you a commonality of language and process to talk through. It bridges a gap. It fills a divide, you know, and it stops in some ways the jealousy of, well, why did you get hired at this pay scale? Well, because I have all the same creds that you do. Oh, okay. You know, it, it's just a great thing to get. They're cheaper. Mm -hmm. to get. Uh, there are resources on active duty, like unit training funding or army ignited funding or the cool programs to get them funded. They can usually be obtained in two to three months or less. Um, and again, you get to control it. You can be in the driver's seat, you know, MBA. Great. Talked to a lot of veterans getting an MBA. Why are you getting an MBA? To be marketable. Where? Everywhere. Okay, you're fishing. All right, I'm going to go throw my shiny lure in the water and hope somebody bites on it. You know, go to a hunting mindset. Look, the target I want to shoot on says, I need to have this capability. I don't have it yet. I'm going to go get it, right? And go do a gap analysis and fill the gap. One of the things that I recommend people do a lot to find those, what your gun needs to be, is doing informational interviews, going out and talking to people that are hiring or people that are in the, in the industry. Um, so that you, because people, you know, military, they, they're coming out of the military, they don't know what are all the things they need to be able to research. So I it, part of it is changing the mindset to think like a hunter instead of a fisherman. And then once I get into that mindset, how do I work on this gun? How do I tweak it to be what mm -hmm. I want it to be? And I got to figure out who I'm shooting, well, you know, what, what's the target? What's the target? And what yep. what uh, what kind of uh, ammo I need to I need to get ready? I, I love that metaphor. I think it's cool. I want to include will definitely include reference to SkillBridge as well as uh, PMI. But you had mentioned some other maybe if you've got some some other references that we can include with the podcast that veterans can go check out on the internet uh, for resources. And that'd be great if that's more ideas. Yeah, I mean so. I've helped create a company called PM ProLearn a few years ago. It's a project management training company that specializes uh, in helping active duty get certified. Uh, we do help transitioning veterans, and we also teach for T-Mobile and a few other major civilian companies. But definitely check them out, uh, www.pm-prolearn.com. Uh, there's a community group that we've created called the PM Pro Community. 
um, as well, great resources there, a bunch of articles and things uh, for veterans or anyone interested in pursuing project management. Um, for veterans specifically, Veterati is a tremendous mentoring tool. It's a free mentor group that you can sign up for as a mentor if you want to give back, which I'm on there, or a mentee looking for help. The Veteran Mentor Network on LinkedIn is another great resource. I was in the reserves trying to get information. I just put a post out to everybody and, you know, said, hey, I need help with this. And it's amazing how much help you will find if you ask for it on LinkedIn or other professional networks that say, look, I'm looking for this answer to something. Um, and again, there's other groups out there. Um, you know, Natalie Oliverio is a friend of mine that does a lot with job placement. Um, Salute to Suit is another company I've just started helping out with that does uh, professional attire coaching and consulting, as well as able to provide a great wardrobe. You know what I mean? So, you know, just the biggest thing is ask. You know, if you're not on LinkedIn, get on LinkedIn. Find me, connect with me. I will not shy away. I add just about everybody I can and help as many people as I can. Great. But the, the biggest thing is, is to ask for help. And the last pitch of advice is say, treat LinkedIn like a bar. Um, I think there's a lot of veterans I talk to that don't know how to use a tool and they're ashamed or embarrassed to say, I don't know, I don't know something or they don't know how to use it. Um, you know, I've asked every veteran the same question. Say, hey, if you went to the club and saw somebody wearing a unit patch on the civilian hat, what would you do? So I go walk up to them and say, hey, when, when were you there? And I talked to them. I was like, well, do that on LinkedIn. If you go find a veteran out there who happens to be a soldier or an airman or sailor or whoever that happens to either be from a unit you were a part of or just someone you're interested to get to know, send them a connection request. Hey, I saw a job opening at your company and I was interested to learn more. Can I talk to you about it? Connect. 99% of the time, they're going to write back and say, man, I'd love to talk to you about it. What questions do you have? How can I help you? Right. There's your open door to an interview. That's right. Your open door to understand all those attributes that you've been trying to figure out and get questions and answers to. So that you don't feel embarrassed on your first date, i.e. the interview you have as a formal setting and asking them, hey, how much time off do I get? Like, what are you, lazy? Yeah, but I really want to know. I want to know if I'm going to be slaving away 80 hours a week or am I going to have a balance in my life? It's an important question to ask, especially if you have a family. But don't ask it to the interview. Ask it to the friends you made on the inside of the company. Mm -hmm. They can tell you that. You know, what's the salary range? How much money can I expect to make? Are you greedy? No, but it's important, right? Like, I want to find the answers to these really important questions. So rather than fishing and kind of hoping you get the right fish and when you get a bad fish, go, oh, I guess I got something, you know, like, go hunting. Hey, hunters, where are the good targets in the area? Hey, there's one sitting over behind the tree, but if you walk up from the left side, it's going to spook. Go from the right side. Oh, great advice. Thanks. Interviews are the same way. Yeah. Who's the hiring manager? What are his pet peeves? When you walk into the interview, make sure you're not chewing gum or something. Why? Because he hates it. He'll fire you on the spot. Good to know. Or when you walk in, make sure you shake his hand hard and look him in the eyes. It's such a great first impression. I mean, it's a stupid little stuff, but man, if someone could coach you through all the nuances of the guy you're about to interview with or gal before you show up, and that's your weight in gold. Yeah, one of the things I recommend people do is look them up on LinkedIn if you're going to interview with somebody and so, have an understanding of who they are. Absolutely. What uh, what they've done. Well, listen, your research. These, are, these are some great suggestions, and uh, I hope everybody that's listening is they're busily writing things down. I mean, we're going to include some of the stuff in the, in the write-up. <laughs> But Josh gave us a whole list of, uh, of great resources there. And you can go back and listen to this again if, uh, if you missed some. But, uh, you know, the key, um, take control. It is different. You're, you're, you're into a whole different space. And that's okay. Embrace the change. Deal with the change. Get information. Don't be afraid to ask people for help. Uh, a lot of resources that are out there. Consider changing that metaphor from fishing to, to more of a hunting kind of metaphor and figure out the certifications and, and PMI and the whole PMP and the project management world is just so valuable and it's so pervasive. And everywhere you look, there's, there's people that need good project managers and military personnel are already in that mode and in that mindset. So it's, it's really something to, 
to take advantage of. Yeah, I guess the last piece I'll plug with this is that project management certification and a lot of other certs are not civilian certs. They are beneficial while active duty. Project management, I just published an article on you know, how PMP enhances military planning. You know, certs like project management, ACP, even things like SHRM and other industry certs will directly apply to a lot of what you do on active duty and make you a better leader while you're in and set you up for success when you get out. The upside is there are funding resources available if you're active duty with enough time. Three to five years out is a great window to pursue a cert. Uh, staff sergeant and above are going to qualify. So E6 and above will qualify for PMP regardless of degree experience. I know I've done it. I've coached them through it. Um, get them while you're in. Get them now. Don't wait until you're becoming a civilian. There's enough other things to figure out, like those attributes and where to live and go hunting, right? Don't be building your rifle while you're trying to hunt. Build it now. Do the assessment now. Get them while you're in and be set up when you're in transition. That's great advice. I love it. Well, listen, thank you. Thanks for taking the time. This is, you really hit some, some really cool stuff. And I'm sure our listeners are going to get a lot out of this. So thanks again well, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Again, hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, to those who are out there, Joshua Atkinson is how I'm listed there. Uh, I'd love to help. Uh, my dad's a psychologist. I grew up here in the worst of humanity. There's nothing you will tell me that will surprise me or offend me. And I'd love to be a resource for you to call and vent or reach out in any capacity to whatever you need. And I will connect you and use the breadth of my experience and network to help you out. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. Take care.